Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. Sunday. I know that shows usually come out on a Thursday, but today is a special day because today is my 32nd birthday. Yep. Happy birthday to me. And when it's your birthday, you should always be able to do what you want to do. And what I wanted to do today was have the perfect day. And what that means to me is a perfect day would have a little bit of relaxation and rest, a little bit of fun, a little bit of mystery, and also a little bit of productivity. So today started off with me going to church. I picked up my friend Jim, who we always go to get breakfast together. And today we had bagels, which was delicious. And then after church, Jim and I, and with our friend Anthony, who you met on the show a few weeks ago, went to a bookstore. And that's my favorite thing to do is just explore a bookstore. And I picked up a book that I was that I've been kind of wanting for a couple of years and just thought, mm, I'll get this one today. And Jim snatched it out of my hand. He said, what is this? And I said, that's the book I was going to get today. And he goes, ah, cool. And walked to the cash register and bought it for me. So that was wonderful. I didn't even have to pay for it. And later today, we are going to be going downtown, Ethan and I, to go um, do something. I have no idea what. He's like, be dressed and ready when I get home. So there's the mystery. But between that, between those two... I get to be a little productive. I'm going to do a podcast. Um, so last week you met my mother and this week I wanted to find a way to um, present the conversation that I had with my mother and father in 2015. So this is the bonus episode of last week's in honor of my 32nd birthday. Uh, I hope you enjoy hearing my mother and father talk about the place where I grew up and sort of even what it was like before I, before I was born. Um, but before that, I just kind of want to think about a little bit about what it means to turn 32, for me anyway. When I was approaching my 30s, I was a little nervous about like my 20s ending because it, ju- it does. It feels like your youth is gone when you are approaching 30. I don't know if that's how everybody else felt. That's how I felt. I was like, I was young. I was in my 20s and then now I'm in my 30s. And you have these preconceived notions about what being in your 30s means. It's never what you think it means, but it is kind of profound. So when I turned 30, it was okay. I was like, oh, okay, this is nice over here. I feel a little confident. I feel a little bit sure of myself more so than I ever did in my 30s but then there's always those residual situations that pop up from times in the past if you had a rough bit of depression and anxiety which I have had in the past there's things that come up from that that you still have to keep dealing with even though the depression and the anxiety is over and that was something that happened in my 30th year around the six month mark of being 30 that kind of started and it ended around last 
September, I had a lot of angst that ended in September. And then in September, I switched jobs. I started doing some work that I'm really proud of and really enjoyed doing. Um, started doing some acting projects and started going on a lot more auditions. And I took on some jobs that really brought me joy. And so from September to now, I've just been living in this really cool space of positivity and positive energy. And I've been able to really curate the type of energy that I have around me on a daily basis with my friends and even coworkers and just what I will accept in my own life now. And I don't think, I don't think you can really know how to do that when you're in your twenties. It really takes living life to be able to do that. And that's what I did. So this year I started doing it. And so approaching 32, there is that tiny little kernel of angst about just aging and getting older because once you hit your 30s, you sort of realize time is very finite. And so there is a little bit of like, ooh, time's slipping away from me, but not in a bad way anymore. For me, at least, I'm like, okay. I know time is slipping away. What am I going to do with the time that I have? And so that's been on my mind. And then today I turned 32 and I'm like, huh, this feels nice. Like I really do feel like I can stand with confidence and really know my own self-worth. And knowing your own self-worth helps you to make better decisions in life. And you know that any decision that forces you to make a snap judgment might not even be a snap judgment you need to make. Because anything that's right will be right whether you make that in a split second or if you take a day to think about it. Um, So yeah, I just, I really like being in my 30s now. And I've been talking to a lot of other people in their 30s, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's when the party starts is in your 30s. And for me, every birthday, I really sort of stop and take stock. And the exciting thing about being 32 for me is when I take stock, I see it. The stock market is up. My life seems really kind of grounded. And... I still have a lot of the problems that I had before this moment, like credit card debt and student loan debt and want to get a new apartment because we're kind of in a crummy area. But I mean, it's, it's quote unquote up and coming. Well, up and coming guys last night, five people were shot in my neighborhood. It's fine. We're okay. Nothing. I didn't even know about it. Ethan came home and was like, uh, we need to lock the doors cause people are getting shot out there. Um, but, yeah, it's it's like those kind of problems are still there, but, eh, I can handle it. That's what you learn when you get older. Life doesn't get easier. You just get really good at handling it. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of excited to be 32, and I'm excited to just take a day to pause and think about the future for a moment. Um, but while I'm sitting and pondering the future... Here's a little gift for you from me on my birthday, a conversation with the two most important people in my life, my parents, the two people who gave me life. Thank you for giving me life on my birthday 32 years ago, mom and dad. And with no further ado, here's 
Kyle's friends are funny. Uh, I don't remember the episode number because I didn't number them. I was not organized back when I was making that show. Hence the reason why it's no longer a show. Um, But yeah, here's mom and dad. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Kyle's Friends Are Funny. In this episode, I'm going back to my childhood home. The place I come from is at the heart of who I am, and the people who've loved me from the beginning are the source of my courage and my curiosity. This episode is dedicated to my parents. They may live a completely opposite life as I do in New York City, but it is these two people who I always look to to know what truly matters in life. Like I said before, the first few episodes of the show I wanted to use to kind of tell the story of who I am from the beginning. So I thought, what better person to talk to and have a conversation with than the two people who gave me life. So now, tonight, I'm sitting with my parents, Wanda and Larry, or what would you rather go by? Leon, Larry, Coy. It don't matter. (laughs) <laughs> he, he answers to Coy, Leon, or Larry. <laughs> well, I, th- I think I've heard the story before, but I'm not really sure what the details of it. Why do you have three names? <laughs> well, they talk, was going to name me Coy, Larry, Henderson. Mm. That's what Mom and Daddy talked it over and agreed on. Well, Daddy went and he wanted me to have his middle name, which was Leon, so they called me Leon. He named me Leon. And uh, nobody knew it. They wrote out the birth certificate. They just got it, put it up. And I went by Larry for nearly 16 years. So went to get my driver's license and had to have the birth certificate, and he found out that wasn't my name. So you always thought your name was Coy Larry Henderson, and you went by Larry instead of Coy. And, right. and your mom thought that until... When did you get your birth certificate? Well, I guess it was fifth, when I was 15 to go get my driver's permit. <laughs> and it was going to be too much trouble to change the name, so... So everywhere I've worked, they've called me Leon, and everybody around here calls me Larry. Well, and then Leon stuck because it's my middle name. Yeah. So. That was your mama's idea. You didn't care for it? No, I didn't care. <laughs> I wanted to name you Lyle. Lyle? Like, love it? I wanted to name you Coy Leon Jr. Were you going to call me CJ? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was going to call you Coy. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded, but but. I like my name, too. Well, I guess you could say in a lot of ways, I am about as different from the life that I grew up in because y'all got married, what, almost 40 years ago. 2016 will be 40 years, or June will be 40 years. 
And uh, Ooh, that's a long time. Is it? <laughs> forty years. Does it feel like it's been forty years? No. Not, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and then I think back. I can't even remember when I didn't know him. <laughs> but y'all lived really. Y'all lived really close to each other, didn't you? Yeah, didn't know him though. I didn't know him. Did, so, <laughs> Granny lives across the street, or she lived across the street where you lived, and then you lived up the road. So y'all lived on the same street and didn't know each other. Well, I knew his mom and daddy, but I, I knew of him, but he's like six years older than me, so when he was in... Five and a half. Five and a half. <laughs> Don't put him older. When, I, he was, <laughs> when he was a senior, I was in sixth grade. Oh, yeah. But you you were double promoted once, weren't you? Well, for a half year, yeah. What does that mean? Well, when I first started school, you either started school in September or January. Really? If you was born before September or before, started started school in September. If your birthday come after September, which mine's in October, you had to wait to January. So you started school in January. I've never. No, I never heard of that. I never heard of that either. Was that in Birmingham? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, what year did you start school? I guess five years was nineteen fifty three. Or 54. So. That's the year I was born. They <laughs> <laughs> didn't have kindergartens and all that back in. Mm. Yeah. So I was so strange to start school right in the middle of the year. So did you join the class, uh, join a class of kids? No, everybody in there was just start. Me and Brenda, my first cousin, we started the uh, same time. So they had a whole class of people that just started yep. school. Well, that was so strange. Well, a few years later, they done away with that. If your grades was good enough, they promoted you on to the... To the September class? <laughs> to the next class. That's how... <clears throat> with Brenda, meanwhile, it, their family moved up here. Mm-hmm. She started Cold Springs. They didn't have that, so they dropped her back a half a year. Oh, they did? That's how I wound up a year ahead of her. And you, st- you never went anywhere but Cold Springs, right? Yes, I did. Because <laughs> you were born here in... I was, but... She was born in California. Were you born in California? <laughs> really? Yes. Finding out all sorts of things. Daddy was in service. Mm-hmm. What part of California? Don't look at me. He wasn't there. I know. I can't <laughs> remember. Uh, I did know that old thing, but... So it wasn't Los Angeles or no, San Francisco no, no, no. or San Diego, no. Fresno. Fresno, that's it. <laughs> Fresno, California. Well, there you go. You know Bill and Peggy Wilbanks. That's where they used to live. Really? That's where they came from. Yeah. Well, they moved around. I don't know. When I tell people back in New York... About the place I come from, I call it. Sometimes I call it Bremen, sometimes I call it Coleman, but then sometimes I call it Bug Tussle because that tickles them. So what was what was like? What was it like growing up in Bug Tussle? Nothing like it is now. You could walk. Well, I grew up in Birmingham. <laughs> you did. What? How? What? How old were you when you moved up here? Thirteen. Oh, what was it like growing up in Birmingham in the fifties? Well, I lived up here the first two years. Daddy and Mama moved to Birmingham, so they 
closer to work, stayed down there till the the civil rights movement got so hard and strong down there. Was it was it scary to live down there during that time? Wasn't to me. And we did live in Birmingham for maybe a, almost a year. Mm-hmm. That's because when I was in second grade, mom and dad was gone to work, and our <clears> house burned. Burned everything we had. So we didn't have a place to stay, and it, the insurance not like it is now. It'll get you a place to stay, so mm-hmm. we stayed with you and Jewel and Ken folks. I didn't have any clothes to wear next day to school. I had to wear Robert's clothes. Robert, Robert Whitlock. Charity's, Charity's daddy. Mm-hmm. I wore his clothes to school. And then, Joel, that's mom's brother, Joel mm-hmm. Whitlock, they moved to Birmingham close to work, so we moved in their house. Over there next to Uncle Danny and Aunt Kathy's house, where it is now. Well, that's where my What well, strange, Joel and Joel, the house we lived in was a duplex, and they lived in one side and we lived in the other. <laughs> So then they decided they'd come back. So your parents lived in Birmingham at one point. You lived in Birmingham, and your parents lived in Birmingham at one point. And didn't you say that GW and Gene lived with you in Birmingham at one point, too? Mm -hmm. They lived close to some apartments over there. So everybody's moved to Birmingham. Why did everybody have to go to Birmingham? Well, back then, your cars wasn't as good as they are today. (laughs) And the roads wasn't near as good. Mm Mm-hmm. And it took a while to drive down there and so back. And so but it, did everybody just work in Birmingham? There well, wasn't there that much work here in Coleman County. There wasn't any kind of industry. No, there was nothing here mm-hmm. at that time. We either farmed or went off somewhere. Well, oh, didn't you tell me when y'all were growing up there was a covered wagon that would come by like a grocery store? It wasn't a covered wagon. No, it, it was a peddler. It was a Van truck, big oh. van truck. That's I cool. thought somebody told me it was a covered wagon at one point. They call it the peddler. The peddler, and what did he have? He had a little bit of something. So he just kind of, so you'd flag him down like an ice cream truck oh, if you needed something. If you stand out there on the road, time for him to come by, you'd pull up and stop and yeah, get what you want, and he goes on. And he had like he had a freezer in there, and he had cold stuff, but he had just like basic. Food stuff, like, it was, I mean, what they call basic, because they grew their own vegetables and all that. They had butter and milk. Did they make their own butter and everything? Well, some most yeah. people did. They made their butter and then sold it off their van, or off their, no, whatever. He didn't, no. No, he didn't. So they, you'd make your own butter rather than buying it from him. My grandmother used to make churn buttermilk, mm-hmm. make he butter. Had, he had just basic food. On the pet. Right. Flour, sugar, salt, pepper, yeah. baking uh-huh. soda. Yeah, ice cream freezer in there. So yeah. you couldn't <laughs> grow your own self. And you just went around and usually everybody needed something. If you had wanted milk, you had a cow out in the pasture, you went mm-hmm. come up to the barn, you milked it. <laughs> if you what? wanted eggs, you went in the hen house and got <laughs> some eggs. But everybody around here knew everybody, didn't they? I used to know everybody that lived on this mountain. Not like it is today. I mean, you could walk. The kids, we used to walk trick-or-treating up and down this road, not even take twice. And there's no sidewalks. and Now you wouldn't walk up this road. You'd be run over. Everybody's driving so fast. All the kids walked up and down the road going trick-or-treating. And and Granny, she, she died in June. Was it June? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said Granny Henderson. Oh, yeah, she died June, Dad's mom. June 6th. And you said she was the last original person to live on this road, right? She was. She was 88. Well, Hazel Palmer just passed away, and she's had not, she didn't always live on this road, that, like farming and stuff like everybody else. The old, older folks. Yeah. She just moved here recently on this road. Mm-hmm. Like the last 10 years. But she lived in the neighborhood. She's got to live in the grocery store. Up there. Well, up on top of this mountain, they consider it in the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Granny and Hazel was the last of the old folks. So now, me and your daddy are the older generation. <laughs> in your 60s. Um, here, when you, everybody, I mean, you sit on the porch and people pass by and you knew who it was, everybody throw their hand up waving. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> they blow the horn, throw the hand up. Well, what's better, the way it was then or the way it is well, now? Well, it was then, because it's Well, you have to think about what kind of, you know, well, the I'm traveling, the, the you know. Well, and all that. Right. Because there's no way that I would let <clears throat> Coy and Eden do anything like what we do. You were reckless. I've heard stories about you <laughs> riding riding horses, wild horses bareback. And... Anyway, we used to play in the woods. Mom and Daddy wouldn't even worry about us until it got dark, and then they'd, we'd come home. There ain't no way I'd let Coy and Eden just take off go to the woods and stay in the dark. Do you think your parents should have let you do that? Oh, yeah. Because it wasn't dangerous then. Yeah. And we didn't have that tons and tons of electronics. You just got out and entertained yourself. Built tree houses. Had acorn battles. Acorn battles? Yeah. Pick up acorns, choose things, throw them at each other. Cut your tars and vines, swing across the uh, creek. Sounds fun. It was. (laughs) Climb up the little pine trees and ride them to the ground. (laughs) Really? Yeah. You'd climb up pine trees and they'd bend? There wasn't that many in Birmingham. Oh, yeah. So y'all grew up in two (laughs) totally different worlds, really. I didn't live in Birmingham that long because... Well, you grew up in the country where you did all that. What did you do when you were a little kid? There had some other kids around and they'd leave out in the morning and... Sometime around supper, go back home. Mom yeah. never didn't know where we was at, where I was at. Well, what would y'all do? Did y'all get out and get a football game or just play? play? This, that, and the other. Well, when we Ride bicycles. Well, that's what, when we lived in Birmingham, we always came back up here on the weekends, spent the weekend with somebody. Mm-hmm. Some of our kin folks. We have had 15, 20 people in the house <laughs> sleeping. Everybody just. Well, you, didn't you say your grandparents didn't even have electricity? They didn't when they first moved over there. Mm. And they all, and they had an outhouse. Mm-hmm. I remember going to that house. They didn't build the, the bathroom onto that house till I don't know. I was up bigger. Well, you got to go to the bathroom. You got to get the flashlight and go outside and go. Walking down to the outhouse in the dark. <laughs> and when you went to bed, there wasn't no night lights, there wasn't none. It was pitch black dark. Mm-hmm. You went to bed, you better stay there. 
<laughs> well, but it was good times. There was no telephones whatsoever. <laughs> I remember the first telephone that came through here was an eight party line, eight people on the same line. Really? Did you all have one? Mm hmm. So what, how, how did you talk on the phone? Well, if you picked you it up. You didn't much. You didn't. You picked it up and somebody was talking. Well, yeah. Urban Williams' daughter was on ours and she, her and that Tommy would stay on the phone for two or three hours at a time talking about nothing. Did y'all ever listen in on other people's conversations? I'm sure they did. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't hear anything about it. I didn't hear anything about it. was eight, eight people on our line. You picked it up somebody's talking and you just had to hang it up and Try it again if you want to make a call. Well, what if you wanted to talk to somebody else that's on your line? Well, you could dial her number, too. Oh. And then that's it went weird. down to four-party lines, and then a two-party line, and then it went to private. Finally. Finally. Now everybody's got a cell phone, and you two may be the last two humans on Earth that doesn't have a smartphone. Uh, I didn't really care anything about the cell phone. He didn't want one. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to get you to get a smartphone for... I lived without a cell phone for many, many years. Well, I think what makes me curious is because that sounds like a real simple time. But then, when y'all got older, you went to college and you went to Vietnam... What was that transition like? Because well, it seems like it was a very sheltered, like a very... It seems like it was life in a bubble, almost, almost in the country was. here. When you got out of high school, you either... Uh, you went to work you, or you went to college. You went to work. And you did both, didn't you? You went to college or... Or you did all three, work, college, then Vietnam and everything above. And then, then a lot of people got married right when they got out of school. Some of them did before they got out of school. <laughs> Didn't you help? Uh, I guess I don't know if I should say that out loud. I guess I could say it now. Everybody that would care is dead. But Janice, um, didn't you help Janice elope with uh, your cousin Roger? I didn't actually help her. We were good friends in high school, and every time she came to my house, she'd bring a few extra clothes, and she just left them. We kept them in a suitcase, and then when we got ready to go. She get picked, married. And they say life's more dramatic now than it was back then. Mm-hmm. Well, back then, a lot of people got married young. Mm-hmm. You graduated in, what, 66? Mm-hmm. And when did you go into the Army? 69. And you were drafted? Mm-hmm. How did, how did that work? Like, what did, did you just... Like, because I remember signing up for selective service when I was, what, 17 or? 18. 18. Everybody's got to sign up. I think I was two weeks before my, they said you can sign up two weeks before your 18th birthday. And I was, I was so nervous about not doing it that I did it two weeks before. I remember. Um, So did y'all do that too? Everybody your age, it was, it was already like that. You had to go to the courthouse and sign up. It's always been that way. (laughs) Still have to. Mm Mm-hmm. So and there ain't nothing changed on that. Well, well, man had to sign up for selective. In service. 1969, that was was that Johnson was president, or was it already Nixon? Well, when I went to Vietnam, I don't know exactly, but Nixon was in office then. Right. Well, so were y'all? Were you in? Because I know a lot of your friends went to 
Vietnam, didn't they? Well, I, I say a lot. I know of no, Junior Garman, and I know Gerald know. Strickland. Junior never did go to Vietnam. He went to Germany. Mm. But Gerald, Ronnie Sandlin, London Saw Strickland. him the other day. He told me to tell you, hey, huh? Ronnie Sandlin. We saw him at Tractor Supply. And he said, tell you, say, hey, he was going to stop and see you. But well, he went over there. He was over there at the same time I was. Mm-hmm. Ronald Campbell, D-Lane Shelton. Well, and you were there for two years. And y'all didn't, y'all didn't know each other before he was in, in the service, did you? No, he had another girlfriend. No. Oh, did you? He was yes, only he in did. Vietnam a year. Oh, yeah. Year so where were you the rest of the time? Started out basic training at uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. Then went to Fort Gordon, Georgia for AIT. What's that? Advanced training. For whatever, and then from AIT, I went to Vietnam. Come back from Vietnam, I stationed in Washington, D.C. Hmm. So at Fort Myers. When your Jeep you were driving, where was you at? The, hmm. the Jeep you were driving, you went in to take papers and come out and it was shot up? Oh no, it's I was stationed on Tamai Island in. Mm-hmm. What's Tam is that in Vietnam? Mm-hmm. An island off the coast of Vietnam, right, I guess. Well you you had a strong enough arm you could throw a rock and hit it. <laughs> so what did you what did you do and what was your job in the army? Uh, in Vietnam? Central Communications Chief. So you weren't in combat, <laughs> essentially. I mean you were in well, a combat zone, I guess, weren't you? Well yeah. There ain't no front line. What no front lines over there? Mm-hmm. That was the first war, where that was the case, wasn't it? Just about it. And now that's the norm. Cause uh, the old farmer in the village by day might be farming, but at night is a Viet Cong out shooting at you. Hmm. I was over a section on the island. Tamai Island was the P.O.L. dump for all of Northern Icor which that's fuel, gas, all stuff. They had a dump there. Well, it dump is big tanks. That's where they kept it stored. But the main platoon was in Huey. I had to go into Huey. It was a three-quarter ton. Had an old boy driving. He ain't been there long. And a sniper started shooting at us. And he wanted to stop and fight it out with him. I said, no, you keep going or I'll leave you. <laughs> so we got on there. When I got to Huey at the MACV compound, pulled in there, there was a bullet in the door. Went through that door, through the seat, and into the door on the other side. So it just missed you? About that much. <sighs> what was the feeling when you were over there? What was everybody's attitude toward it because I know now because I have a history degree so now I know what's on paper 40 years later that you know the people didn't that the public didn't want the war didn't didn't believe in the war didn't they thought that Nixon and everybody who was involved was misguided and staying in the war and spending money on it but what was what was it like over there when you were there like what did everybody think or there wasn't nothing you could do about it over there you didn't protest. You didn't do this. So y'all didn't spend a lot of time thinking about whether or not you should have been there. Well, everybody thought they shouldn't be there, them right. personally. Right. But uh, it's hard to say, but 
everybody agreed that Nixon, what he done, he kept the war going the whole four years he was in so he could use it to get in again. Mm. Because what he done, his second term, he could have done within the first two months is in office's first term. Mm-hmm. And that is just to pick up and get out. <laughs> well, I guess that's the <laughs> that's the general consensus, but and yeah. He kept on keeping going then if you'll reelect me, I'll have the war stop. Mm-hmm. That's what what happened. After he was gone the war was stopped. And I don't agree with nothing of what he done personally. Mm-hmm. Because you had many, many POWs and MIAs. I know that there's some come back, but there's a lot more that didn't. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even try to get them back. Did you know any of the POWs or MIAs? No. But I'm I sure. know there was American soldiers and deserved a better fate than what they and got. And that was you. That was, and, and we're still, and you know, it's funny because the civil rights movement happened in the 60s and Vietnam happened in the 60s and it seems like 40, 45 years later we're still talking about civil rights and the fair, the proper treatment of veterans. And If you was drafted or even enlisted and they sent you to Vietnam and you got captured, and they said, oh, hey, well, you're expendable. You mm-hmm. wouldn't like it. No. Families wouldn't like it. Right. And I didn't know none of them, but you still have a connection. Right. They were soldiers. Yeah. And they wasn't over on their own cord. How did y'all two meet? She asked me out for a date. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. You're feel, you feeling it, huh? <laughs> no. I had come home on the weekend. I was got to, I mean, I was good friends with Joe and Jane and Ann and Grace. We were down there and they wanted to go to the lake, build a fire just at the lake. So me and Ann was with them and he, Joe's home daddy lived right by him. Him, so Joe stopped asking if he wanted to go. Did he even know him? Yeah, they knew oh. each other. And so we were down to Lions Club, had a fire going. And I don't know if it was cooking or just had a fire. I don't know what we was doing, but anyway, we had a what was it? A damp white carnation or yeah. red carnation or something. Come to what? I was in school at Athens, and we had I was a teak little sister, and they had a red carnation ball, mm. like prom dance or something. And I called him and asked him if he wanted to come and take. Oh. And then. See, I never knew that. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know you asked him out. Yeah. Well, I asked him to come up and take me to that, and then after that. It was... What did you think of him when you first met him? Well, apparently I liked him because I asked him out. <laughs> well, what do you remember? What did he? What kind of jokes did he tell? And what oh, kind of? What kind of? Did he swagger around like he was big stuff because he was a soldier? Or? No. <laughs> no. I can tell you that. No, we just sat around the fire and talked. 
he said he didn't know which one was after him, like one was really after him. Which one who? Me or Ann. Because we was both there. Were you hoping for one or the other? <laughs> no. <laughs> you think he'd say that now? <laughs> he better not. Well, after she asked me out, I went by. She was fixing to go back to Athens, and I asked her out, and uh, we've been, we started dating then. And we dated for a year. And then he proposed? Well, and that's a funny story, too. How did he propose? <laughs> well, we were in the car, and he, we were just sitting there talking, and he said, I don't remember what we was talking about. I was going back to school, and he said, well, I wanted to ask you to marry me. And I said, well, does that mean you are asking me, or you want to ask me, or you... What? <laughs> he said, yes, I'm asking. I said, well, no. If You told him no? If he wanted to marry right then, I said, I wanted to finish school. He said, well, I figured that. How long had you had in school till you were finished? A year. Oh. So y'all were engaged for a year and then got married? Well, from probably August to next June. I graduated college on Friday and we got married on Saturday. <laughs> you, didn't take, you didn't even take a trip. <laughs> and then you went to Panama City and got the worst sunburn of your life. I've heard that story a hundred times. First time I'd ever really been to the beach since I've been growing You never got a spring break? Well, then the teaks are not like they are now than back well, then. <laughs> well, she only got burned because she wouldn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I've never been to Florida. The only time I've even been to the beach when I was a baby. Well, I had, and I know <laughs> what was going to happen. But she wouldn't believe me. We grew up at the lake, and it's not like the beach. On the sand, on the white sands of Panama City. No. She couldn't even wear her own clothes. She was wearing my shirts. Just because they were baggy enough to go over? Not touch me. Well, I saw that picture over there of you in the bikini. <laughs> I don't think that was your honeymoon, though, was it? No, that was the next year. And then you built this, well, you built a house. This house. This house. And then it burned. Well, it wasn't immediately. We'd been married for a few years before we started built a house. How long did you live in the trailer? About five years. And then you built, you built that. You didn't borrow any money to build this house, did you? We borrowed a little bit. We had to after it burned. Mm. Well, most of it, we, every month, I talked school. We lived on his check. And there were months when I got paid, we bought something to go towards house. Mm-hmm. Till it was finished. We moved out of the trailer. We was going to use the money for it to put the cabinets in. And I went to school and he went to work. And then they called me at school and said, your house is on fire. Well, how, long, how long after you moved in? We hadn't moved in then. We moved all our stuff in on Friday and it burnt on Monday. Well, dang. And then... We you, just moved all our stuff in one room because it was complete and locked and doors and everything. It all fit in one room? Well, all we had out of that trailer. We didn't have much. <laughs> in that trailer, all we had. Y'all know y'all wanted kids. Did y'all want a lot of kids? We thought we couldn't have them. It was fixed and start trying to adopt. Oh, really? got pregnant. Well, I was playing softball, and I was supposed to go back to the doctor in June. And they was going to 
do all sorts of testing and everything because they'd already done almost everything. They were going to do exploratory surgery to see why. She was going back for checkups for that. Then she went down one time to see what's Tendall? Yeah, Tendall's one, yeah. And she went and told him there ain't no need to go into the next checkup because she was pregnant. With Megan. And said, okay. He said, that's what we wanted. Then, by all things, him and my daddy made me so mad. We'd waited seven years to think about having a baby boy. Him and daddy was working on some old car, daddy's car over there in that garage. Well, I'd gone to doctor. Dr. Mom was really the one that told me. Anyway, I went to Pullman and found out I was pregnant, and they were working in that. He knew I was going to town. Well, I didn't know how long it took to get the test back. <laughs> no, when I got back, well, hey, they just kept on working, working. I said, boy, do you not even want to know? <laughs> he said, well, are you? <laughs> now, I told you, I said, well, I thought it'd take a few days to get the results back. <laughs> and I said, yes. And then Larry's mama and my daddy was, well, they better not be no more playing softball. <laughs> mm-hmm. Too many women milk it these days. I worked up until the day I had both of y'all. I worked up until that day. I walked up down the steps and threw wood on the fire. Just according to what you used to, I guess. I guess so. If you used to laying up, I guess you're going to lay up. And then I came along four years later, so. Yes. You didn't know what you was getting into when you had me, did you? No. Well, I did. I have put you through a lot, I guess. You've, you've driven across country. Twice. Twice. <laughs> well. We drove to California to take his car to us. And then you drove back to California to come fly, or you flew to California to drive back with me so I could move home to Alabama. And you've driven to New York, which you said you would never do again, so. That was a long, rough ride. We enjoyed it until we got to New Jersey. From there, it is. They can have it. <laughs> And all the walking. I got the heart app on my phone that shows your steps you take each day, and it went straight down when I got here. So <laughs> I don't walk nearly as much as I do in New York here. Personally, I would not live in New York. No way. Too many people. Both of us have got too many people in it for my face. Well, <clears throat> I told you that I, I'm. I am proud of you for one thing you did, and nobody else would do it, to have the courage to do what you did at 19 years old, just to up and take off. And Cal went to California at 19. Yeah. Didn't have a job, didn't have nowhere to stay. I had $1,500, and I thought that was fine. I was more money than I ever had, so. And then when you went back and took off to New York, not many people do that. Like, just take off, not knowing if they had a job or a place to stay. But. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess me moving to California and moving to New York, it got you on a plane for the first time. You'd never been on a plane. And I said, I never would. And I did. <laughs> well, if there was something that y'all wanted people to know about me, what would it be? You don't want to know, don't ask. You speak your mind. I said, want, not what you think of me, <laughs> what you want my listeners to know about me. 
Well, well, if you follow me on Facebook, you'll know that for sure. You've changed a lot, so we don't really know what you're like now. What do you mean? Well, over the last two years, you ain't been around. I know you've done some changing since then, haven't you? I guess you have to, living in New York. But in some ways, uh, you're picking up New York habits, but when you like what you still got your roots from mm-hmm. out in the country. I think now living in New York, um, my roots are deeper than they've ever been here. So but I'm prouder now to be from here than I've ever been. So I mean, bad, the, not the bad habits, the habits. Are, yeah, as I was say, what are the habits of New York you're talking about? Everybody in New York runs; they don't walk. And when you're here, you still run and don't walk. <laughs> but you didn't follow in anybody else's footsteps. You just did your own thing. Just took off and did it. Well, I couldn't do what you did because I like things to be planned out. Know what's going to happen know that I got this, that, or the other. I wonder, I wonder about, because everybody loves an adventure, you know, and I think you've had your adventure. You went around the world, and you're like, had enough of that, done and done, right? Oh, I'd love to go back to Vietnam, just to visit. It's a beautiful country. I would love for, I'd love for all of us to go to Vietnam, and, and you give us a tour of Vietnam. Oh, it's been so many years, it's probably nothing like it was when I was over there. Well, when I went to college, I thought I was doing something big. You were. You're the first person in our family to go to college. Well, I mean, I was playing ball, and every Friday we'd get on our little blue bus and go to a different state and stay the whole weekend playing ball and then come back <laughs> in places I'd never been, period. Well, being a southerner in New York, it it gets me. It, it sometimes it gets me opportunities and notoriety that I wouldn't have had before, because people love the way I speak. They think I still have a thick southern accent, but I tell them that that's I'm nothing special where I'm from. That's everybody. So you ain't got as much southern accent as you used to have. No. Right. No, but. I guess if I was raised and born and raised somewhere like New York, I guess I could. But as far as choosing a place, I wouldn't want to live anywhere but Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, people ask me now. They think they say, "Do you think you'll ever go back?" And I'm, I don't know. I'm still on the adventure. But I, though, I remember growing up, I wanted to know what was out there, and. Now that I've seen it, I mean, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't disappoint me to move back to Alabama and, and be closer to the family. So. Of, all, of all the places I've ever been, just experiencing all the places I've been, if I just had to say, okay, I'd rather live here or there, I want to live nowhere but Alabama, <laughs> on Bugtossa Mountain. <laughs> so where do, you, where do you think I got my sense of adventure from? Oh, was there anybody in the family who had that bug for the adrenaline or the the curiosity? I had a great uncle left here and went to California and became a professional gambler. Was he good at it? When he died, he uh, 
left, well, he had a bunch of brothers and sisters. He left each brother and sister over $5,000, and their, his kids was independently wealthy. <laughs> I'd say he was pretty good. And now, who, who was that uncle? It was a Brasher. Brasher? What, what side of the family is that from? Daddy's from the mother's uh, brother. She was a Brasher, Mary Brasher. Brasher. What about you? You know anybody on your side of the family that gave me an adventurous streak? Nobody on my side of the family, that's for sure. Well, well, he's the only one, and he gambled got his. <laughs> Nobody, I don't think. I don't think anybody in my family just even moved out of Alabama, period. That's why I said you didn't follow in anybody's footsteps. Hmm. I mean, everybody else had a... <clears throat> They kind of followed in their parents' footsteps or knew exactly what they wanted to do when they got out of high school. Yeah. I thought I knew. Then I changed my mind a few times. and Just a few. <laughs> so how many degrees do you have now? I have two college degrees, and I still don't use them. So, and I'm still paying for them. <laughs> so, But it taught me so much to be in college. Now, Megan, she knew exactly what she wanted to do, and she just got out of school and went and did it. Well... Know? Now she's married, and she's got kids, and she lives on a farm. Well, that's the furthest thing I thought she'd do. What did you think she was going to do? Well, I never thought she'd be on a tractor or raising cows. I thought cows she'd be a pee. pure city girl. Yeah. Did you really? What did you think I was going to do when I was growing up? I knew you wouldn't be live here and be an old country boy. When did you know that? Probably when you started high school. Because I wasn't very good at sports. Everybody in the family was good at sports. I wasn't good at any of them. Good at running. You found your... Well, I feel like when I was in seventh grade and I started running and I liked it and I was pretty good at it, I felt like the whole family just let out a sigh of relief. Oh, God, he's good at something. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> well, that again comes from your racing. Because mm-hmm. they used to tell us that we cut our teeth on the baseball. And you did, and, I, and you're in the Coleman County Sports Hall of Fame, and Pops in the Coleman County that's Sports Hall of Fame. what we did. And didn't you say you started the football team at Cold Springs? Baseball team. Baseball team. Me so. and Mickey, one of her cousins. Mickey who? Davis. Mickey Davis. I don't know him. He ain't missed much. <laughs> I think it's clear that you and I are, we, we have, we're kind of on a, we're on opposite ends of a spectrum when it comes to interests and, and things like that. And, you know, I want to, I live in New York and you wouldn't, you wouldn't live in New York if you were anybody else. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't wish that on anybody, but what are the qualities that you see in me that I got from you? Speak your mind. Somebody asking something. I try to tell them the truth, if they like it or they don't like it. And if you do what you say, you would be considered a good person. That's one thing I'm talking about, you know, changing. You're up there, I can't can't judge what you do up there. Yeah. Because I don't ever see it. Well, I hope you pick up them traits from me. I think so. At least I try. If you uh, tell the truth, do what you say, you'll never go wrong. I was watching 
the little show about uh, Derrick Henry, his grandmother. Who's Derrick Henry? That running back for Alabama won the Heisman Trophy this year. Oh. She told told him. Now he's hear him speak. He's a good fellow. Mm-hmm. She told him, said, "Good manners will carry you further than any money you can spend." Right. I think uh, I try. I try really hard to because people told me. You, you know, we both said, oh, you're still so sweet. New York will change that, and you're, you're a kind person. And I don't, it, It's been hard, but I don't think it has. Well, let me ask you this, now that she's not here to defend herself. She went to the bathroom. What traits do you think I got from Mom? I'd have to think about that a while. I bet I could, I bet I could, t- I could tell you one. What's that? We like to talk. <laughs> to anybody and everybody. Let me tell you something about her. When we first started dating, we couldn't prize a word out of her. Really? She's quiet? She wouldn't say a word. I could say something to her. Yeah. No. That's it. You like that, huh? <laughs> no, not at the time. Oh. After we got engaged, she said, well, now we'll have something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Then after we got married, you can't stop her from talking. Well, that was was about right. She likes to talk. (laughs) What else? What about her personality that I get? Let her answer that one. What? What traits did Kyle get from you? Traits. In a a lot of ways, it's really weird that somebody like me was born to somebody like y'all. Because I moved out, I moved to New York, and y'all stayed here. And, you know, you just, you're very, by choice, you live a simple life. I think Dad learned, I think Dad got it right from the very beginning. If you don't live the simple life, life is complicated. But I said, well, there's got to be something that I got from y'all. So I asked Dad what he thought were the traits that I got from him. And, I, and so I said, what are the traits that you think I got from Mom? The only thing he could come up with is we'd like to talk to anybody and everybody. What traits do you think I got from you? No, I don't know. Well. Well, I would say that you're not afraid to work. What about from your personality? Like, what, what, what traits do you see in me that remind you of you. You know what I mean? I what, did, what did I get from the two of y'all? I want to I wanna know that. I know what you mean, but I don't know how I couldn't work. I don't know. Or did I get traits from somebody else in the family? <laughs> well, I used to call you Dub Jr. Why's that? Just because when it comes to politics, he'd tell you like it was, and he didn't care if you liked it or you didn't like it. And that's yeah. basically you. Well, I have... just politics... <laughs> Well, everybody always says, especially from the South, and I assume it's this way everywhere, but everybody says, well, old people just say whatever they think, and they don't even have a filter. And I say, well, I don't want to wait till I'm old to say what I think. I want to say it while I'm still young enough to form a sentence. Well, what traits do you think I got from Dad? Mm, that's horrible. Y'all both said that. Yeah. Was I adopted? You said you was trying to think about adopting. Did you adopt me? <laughs> <laughs> 
off the top of your head, think about it. <clears throat> well, I, I would think, and I think you do, treat people right. Not just go behind their back or whatever. I mean, treat people right. Treat them like they ought to be treated. And I think we both do that. Mm-hmm. Well, y'all, y'all pretty much both have the same answer for that one. <laughs> If that's what you see in me that I got from you that could be worse, right? Then I think that's how I live my life. Is when people are around me, I want them to feel like they're important, and I want them to feel like they they matter. I think that I think I got that from y'all too, for mm-hmm. sure. Because yeah, I would, yeah, I would agree with that. There have been times when I was in New York, and people like because I, I work retail. And there have been people who, not they're not rude to me. They just don't even acknowledge that I'm there because I'm just there to serve them. And I said that I'd rather you be rude or be a terrible person, but just to not even acknowledge that I'm even around that was that was hard. And that's when I said, you know what, I'm never gonna make people feel that way. And then you know I realized that's what I've always seen y'all do because y'all definitely go out of your way to help people. For sure. No matter what time. If, if 10 o'clock at night is the only time you have free to help somebody who needs help, you're going to go help them at 10 o'clock at night. Well, do you think I'm funny? Do you think I'm funny? You can be. <laughs> Do you think I got some of my sense of humor from you? You might have. I guess I should ask you. Do you think I got some of my sense of humor from him? Yes, I do. Only when we're making fun of you, though, right? <laughs> yeah. You did. Was there anybody else in in the family that had a big sense of humor or a big personality like me? No. Mm-mm. That's what I said. You were you. I thought you said Mama had a big personality. Mama Davis. Mm-hmm. Othell. She had a... Just, now, that's a person that speak her mind. She just speak her mind. She, oh. You didn't want to cross her. Right. I wouldn't want to cross Pop Dub either. I reckon mm-hmm. Othell always liked me. That's what I told him. If, if she didn't, he would know she didn't like him. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't even know it. I remember this one time she did let somebody know she didn't like him, didn't she? I was down there that night. Will you tell that story? Huh? I've already gotten permission to hear that story from Aunt Sandra. <laughs> she said I could talk about it. I don't it. know if it's going to be put out on air or you can tell it. <laughs> well. Huh? I wouldn't be upset, but she scared me too. <laughs> it was her other son-in-law. <laughs> he quit a job. And... Just walked off. He didn't like the people he worked with. So unlike me, he wasn't willing to work. <laughs> and uh, come back and boy, they'd been to that dance. And what she was mad about, Robert dancing with them other girls. So and uh, Robert took Sandra to a dance and then started dancing with other girls. Not well. They were already married. They was married. I think she might have been. Pregnant. Pregnant, with pregnant with Derek? With uh, either Derek or Miranda. But Othell got up there, and first time I ever heard that expression. 
She told him he is the sorriest son of a bitch that ever shit behind a pair of shoes. <laughs> quote, none quote. <laughs> and she was not uh, this far either. She was in his face. Pointing the finger. Face. Well, I will say, I think that might be <laughs> a personality trait that I picked up because... Char- I was talking to Charity, and she was saying something that upset her. Somebody said something that upset her, and she said, I wish I could have thought about what to say. She goes, I know what I'd have said now, but I said, she said, Kyle, I wish I was like you. You're so good with words. And I said, no. I said, it can be a two-edged sword because sometimes I light a match and set the house on fire before I realize what I've done. So I guess I got that from her. W.L. And Doug. Trying to calm it all down. He was trying to come down. He, one of the one of the one and only times he defended him, huh? He or, she didn't defend nobody. <laughs> they just tried to calm. He thought she. she he thought she'd kill him, didn't she? I mean, for Lewis, I mean, she had him up by the collar and pointing her thing in his face. And tell him what you said. <laughs> I told Wanda, I said, if your mom ever talked to me like that, I'll never set foot back in that house. That's scary, isn't it? <laughs> But I think about all of my parents, and I think we are, and I think y'all will be two hardworking people. Well, I did say this. You know, I remember, I think it was just the curiosity for me growing up in the country and never knowing what was out there. I always said, I remember sometimes I wished I had grown up in a, a big city or had access to a bigger city but then I think now I said I don't think I would have been I don't I don't think I would have been doing big adventurous things had I grown up in a city because it took it took me well and it took me being grounded for 19 years or I say 18 years because when I was 18 I went to Europe but it took me being grounded for 18 years to be a more effective person in New York City. Or at least I hope I'm effective. And now I'm on this adventure and I'm taking people along for the ride for the listen. You've been living in New York and California. I've been there and I probably never would have. Right. Are you glad you've seen it? Well, yeah. Glad that you had a son that gave you the chance to see the world? Like she said a while ago, I probably never would have been on a plane. But now you fly and see me all the time. <laughs> Every year you come to New York. Well, if you weren't there, I wouldn't go there every year. Well, <laughs> now I might convince you to take a train there. That's on my bucket list. What, a train to New York? Well, a train. I don't know about New York. You should take it. It was fun until you have to go to sleep. So yeah, like I said, uh, before I start anything, uh, before I start any adventure, I feel like I need to come home and recharge from the place where I come from, so. Well, that's a good thing. And I'm glad that everybody got to know my parents. Oh, I'm glad that you're glad that you're proud to introduce us as your parents, because <laughs> some mm-hmm. people might not be proud. I thought she was going to tell all the funnies on me acting crazy. Or Which acting. time? 
not acting crazy, but the one with the remote trying to open the back door. That's after we got that truck. this truck. I never had a car with a remote. Mm-hmm. She got out and going to unlock the door, and she took the remote and pointed it at it. The house door. Yeah. <laughs> said it won't open. I said, <laughs> Yeah. Back door. No. <laughs> they should, though, shouldn't they? Should. Sitting in the living room one night, Mama went out on the carport, put something in that garbage can. That was here. She started screaming and hollering. <laughs> thought she, I jumped up and run out there. said, what is it? Something in that garbage can. I looked in there and it was a possum. Or behind it. Behind An albino possum? No, it was in the garbage. When yeah. I looked over there, it went yeah. <laughs> She was just about, and I got to laughing so hard, she got mad and the possum got away. <laughs> it's an albino possum. It was gone in the garbage. Don't I'm, they have like red eyes too? Mm-hmm. And I just reached over and picked that garbage in it and that thing leaped up and hissed at me. And I thought I was going to have a hard time screaming, and he was laughing at me. There's one night in there. She was in here in the kitchen. Larry, come here. Hurry! Well, I jumped up and run in there, and she had a tube of crazy glue in her hand. She couldn't turn it loose. She glued her fingers to the crazy <laughs> I took a needle it wouldn't come out so I took a needle and stuck down when it did it run up on the needle and then I couldn't get my fingers apart how'd you get them apart I took he some he had to get them apart I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital get my fingers apart took some uh, fingernail polish remover and kept working just and it'd come a little bit a little bit and just keep working it down it'd come off she took that stuff and throwed it away with <laughs> <laughs> and she got mad at me that night for laughing because I like to die. Don't know. He was laughing his head off. I thought it was funny. Glued <laughs> my fingers together. <laughs> so life's been one big adventure for y'all in the last forty years. I thought she was dying in here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's just been an adventure, but that's life. Mm-hmm. But. A lot of people don't stick it out thick and thin, whatever. Yeah. Several of mine that graduated with me, they've been married three and four times. I guess because they think it's going to be easy, huh? Yeah, we took our vows to heart. When I got married, I married one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's when I, that's what I told Chad when he come and asked about marrying Maiden told me, I said, Chad, I'm going to tell you, she's a hard person to live with. <laughs> I said, I know. I've been living with her for, I think, what, she's 19 or something like that? No, they started dating when she was 19. It was 21, I uh, think, when she... And I said, uh, are you sure? He said, yeah, I guess. I said, if you're just guessing, the answer's no. <laughs> 
I said, you got to be sure before you get married. He said, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, because I don't want but one son-in-law. I don't want to go for a few months and decide you don't like it and go. I said, one, that's it. I meant it. <laughs> I said, you shouldn't get married unless you're sure. If you ain't absolutely sure, you don't need to get married. Well, there you go. Chad's a good boy, though, I think. I don't know if I could have lived her. <laughs> what do you think she's going to say when she hears that? Well, I'll tell her. I don't care. That's another thing I do. I ain't going to say nothing behind anybody's back that I won't say right straight to their face. Yep. I just wanted to tell y'all that having your support for the show and the stuff that you don't understand that I do in New York and some of the stuff you do understand that I do, it means the world to me to have your support. And Like I said, whenever I start something new, I always come home and, and you know. Yeah, it's good. I can go go at it confidently. Well, that's good. Because if you're not confident in what you're doing, you're not going to do a very good job. And that's what I've learned, that even when other people doubt you, you have to be confident in what you know is the path for you. you got to stick to it. You stick to your guns. Now I can go on to New York and make 2016 a productive year. But I love you. Only getting to see my parents two and three times a year, each moment I sit down with them is incredibly precious, and I knew that I wanted them to be a part of the show very early on. And sitting with them and talking with them, though we aren't very much alike in our personalities, it's pretty clear where a lot of me comes from and I'm really glad that I got to share that with you join me next time when I sit down with my sister and her husband and their, and their two kids and I get to share another part of my life my best friend be sure to join into the conversation by tweeting me at Kyle L. Henderson or following me on Instagram at Kyle.Henderson33 or following my Facebook page Kyle's friends are funny. You can also go to kylehenderson.org for more information about the show and the latest news on all your favorite co-hosts. Music by bensound.com Thank you for listening to the conversation with my parents. I hope you really enjoyed it. And I also really hope that listening to that conversation inspires you to have conversations with your parents or grandparents if they're still with us or aunts and uncles, because these oral histories that we have with our families, it's so important to, to get them down on rec- on recorded tape or on a video or something so that we can have them for generations to come because there's no reason why we can't have authentic oral histories with all the technology we have today. You're going to be so glad that you did because that conversation with my parents 
is going to be something that my sister's grandchildren will be able to listen to and really get to know what their great-grandparents were were like um because you just never know what the future will bring and you never know when it's a little too late I wish I could have had the opportunity to do it with my grandparents um before they passed away but you know I I get the stories and you saw the episode last week with my mother about my grandmother and I mean that's all we have is the stories that my mother can tell me because we don't have those opportunities to talk when once the time is gone Um, But thanks for joining me on my birthday. I'm going to go and have probably a cocktail downtown and enjoy the rest of my day being 32. So I also want to do another call to action for you all on this episode. Tell me about a great birthday you had. Tell me about a day that you woke up, felt some type of way. And tell me what that was. Tell me, you know, how you look forward to the future on your birthdays. How do you celebrate your birthdays? Um, Also, another call to action. If you have not subscribed to the show yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that all the episodes that come out will come straight to your phone and you can listen to them whenever you choose to listen. And also, I'd like to know when do you choose to listen? One more thing. If you haven't uh, reviewed or rated us on iTunes, please go right over to iTunes, give us a little rating, five stars will help people find us, and tell us what you think of the show. Give us a review, and I promise you, any new reviews will be read on the show. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Kyle L. Henderson. Um, If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's not the information that you heard in the old episode. It is Kyle L. Henderson. And the website's even changed. I forgot I had that website. It's KyleLeonHenderson.com. And there's also a Facebook page. We need to talk on Facebook. So I'll see you next week. Or actually, later this week.